What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Living Electric. Um, we're going to be patting ourselves on the back a little bit this episode, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, some some congratulations are in order for, for both of us. Um, so first off, congratulations to Brandon. He was named uh, a rising star by Business Insider in the EV industry uh, for his work at Chargeway and then various social media outlets. So um, <laughs> just heard that news today. So very excited for that. Thanks, and, Alex, uh, and yeah. you too. This is t- yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Yeah, I feel like I, if you're going to give me that recognition, I need to return <laughs> the favor. <laughs> yeah, so both Alex and I have been recognized by Business Insider, and we've been nominated by our colleagues. And in uh, uh, God, I'm failing this really hard right now. It's a Friday morning <laughs> um, with uh, being uh, nominated as a uh, rising star in the EV industry for their 35 under 35 list. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I forgot to mention that part. So yeah. <laughs> got to be under 35 to qualify. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you had to work in the EV industry and, you know, with both of our roles and Alex working really hard at Shell Recharge to make a difference there. And uh, yeah, getting recognized for all of our efforts, especially yours. I mean, working directly with the network, improving it is is awesome. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. I think if we as we both realized, um, <laughs> we we've kind of joked in the in the past. You kind of get to see kind of behind the curtain view of the EV industry once you <laughs> jump into it versus. Uh, Versus what you might just see as a, a normal driver driving around, you get to see where a lot of the shortfalls are, where improvements need made, and and yeah. uh, I think both of us are working to to fix that stuff. And being an EV owner and um, experiencing a lot of that stuff firsthand, it certainly motivates us a lot more to fix that stuff. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that that article is really cool, and you know, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes and just to let everybody know it is behind a paywall at the moment. Um, yep. But we could definitely share uh, the screenshots we took of our sections. Um, yep. But there's a lot of really cool people on that list doing incredible things in the industry yeah. from battery technology to charging technology to just pretty much everything. Like it was uh, yeah. it was really eye opening to see how many people around our age in the industry. Definitely. Yeah, I'd, certainly we're in good company there. I mean, there's there's lots of lots of exciting stuff going on. There's lots of opportunities. And it's like you said, it is good to see people, people that are younger getting it getting involved in that yeah. too. Because um, that's, yeah. that's, uh, personally, I think that's where a lot of the change can be made in, in some of this younger generation. So yeah, yeah, very excited about that. Yep. Yeah, I did notice out of the entire list, I was the only one wearing sunglasses in all the photos. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, awesome. Matt, Matt from Chargeway is like, well, you stood out. You kind of look like, you know, like a secret agent or something. But that's awesome. <laughs> I'll take it. There's but. a Casey Neistat has like a great quote about that or he quotes somebody else. But I think it's about uh, um, Jack Nicholson, how he's like, he's like when it when he's uh, not wearing sunglasses, he just looks like a normal guy. But when he puts on sunglasses, he's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> because he always wears like the sunglasses inside and like looks real cool so yeah yeah well maybe maybe i think think you're pulling that off (laughs) yes i was gonna say maybe that could be the character i can put together yes (laughs) definitely yeah well i i do want to say congratulations to brandon flash as well our our friend and fellow content producer uh for his work at circle k um definitely want to recognize him and, um, you know, and if anybody else who is on that list wants to be on the Living Electric podcast, if you are a listener, definitely let us know, because we'd love to talk about your experience with your company and what you're doing to change this industry. 
definitely yeah open yeah. invitation there so we'll we'll post this on on linkedin and, and reach out yes. if anybody's if anybody's interested so. yeah yeah i i do i do have to ask you after you were recognized in business insider did anybody else like reach out to you on because of that um in turn just a lot of the people that nominated me reached out and said like congratulations a lot of like family and stuff obviously mm-hmm. um but then couple industry people did as well that that either i work with or i know from from various things so that was pretty cool oh cool cool yeah i like i after i posted the article on linkedin i woke up to like 25 connection requests (laughs) so yeah yeah i was just like cool like i I feel like really (laughs) established in this industry now (laughs) yeah so (laughs) yeah but well, we definitely have some other exciting things to talk about. I feel like this week has just been like a whirlwind. Yes. <laughs> of, yeah. Of good, of good things. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, the other thing, other updates, this is more content production focused. Um, Tyler and I are joining the uh, Clean Technica team as official journal or automotive journalists, uh, yes. producing videos for their YouTube channel and other social platforms. So. Super excited about that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how much you're allowed to share, but it sounds like it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for your channel and just a lot of experience, I'm sure, too, um, Yes, that you yeah. might not have been able to get on your own. So I think that's that's going to be really good for, for the everyday EV team. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we're finally becoming a production company. Um, yes. Yeah, it's a good thing I put that in the LLC. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's going to be a great opportunity. We're going to be getting uh, press passes. Um, so we'll get media vehicles uh, delivered to our house that we get to record with and produce um, in-depth reviews for the Clean Technica uh, YouTube channel. And then we're splitting off. Everyday EV is going to become a more education-focused channel. So we're going to stop posting reviews on our, our channel and just focus on more um, deep dives on how like vehicles operate and like those specific media cars dive into like touchscreen menus, gotcha. you know, like all that stuff. So the the nitty gritty will be on everyday EV, and then the pros and cons will be on Clean Technica's page. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. that's smart because you don't want to like copy the same <laughs> same yes. stuff for both yeah. both channels. So that's that's smart to kind of niche down there. Yeah, so, yeah. That way cool. it's not. Uh, yeah, thank you. That way it's not like unnecessary competition because right, yeah, right. Yeah nothing nothing it doesn't help the video if it's posted twice in two different you know places <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah i think so. that's that's been one of the hardest parts i think as as smaller creators is getting access to either media vehicles or working with dealerships to go check out cars because some people are kind of weary to let just like a random person go drive their car yeah. but when you got it <laughs> when you have a press pass or have kind of media credentials that helps a lot so oh yeah yeah, I just it's we're just really humbled and like grateful for like all these opportunities that are coming our way. Um, yeah. And I just want to give a shout out and thank you to Joe Borez, who also writes for Clean Technica. He's been writing with them for many years. Um, our friendship and connection helped us get to this point. So just want to say thanks to Joe. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about orange <laughs> outlets, literally the color orange, but the company is called Orange. <laughs> Yeah, I came across this the other day and I thought it was really interesting because we've we've kind of got the whole world of uh, of smart charging is really becoming a, a hot topic in the EV industry because if you don't know, there's kind of two types of chargers. There's like dumb and smart is kind of like the easiest way to refer to them. I don't know if I like <laughs> calling it like a dumb charger, but like a um the longer version is networked and non-networked, which is kind of a mouthful. So <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but for for these like connected chargers, generally they can be really expensive because you're not only paying for installing the charger in the ground, um, the actual hardware for the charger, um, you're also paying for the network connectivity. So like most most EV EVSEs that I know of, the like the actual charging units connect via the internet somehow. So either through Wi-Fi, Ethernet, or like a four G like cellular connection like your phone does um and that can get expensive because you're not only paying for that initial upfront cost you've also got ongoing costs to keep that connected so it's kind of like your phone in that way where like you spend a thousand dollars up front for a new iphone but then you've also got to pay 50 bucks a month to, <laughs> to use it which is like wow especially when this industry is so new people are kind of tentative about installing charging in the first place it can be can be a big deal to to make that investment so Anytime I've seen that, like people are trying to reduce that cost of either installation or um, or connectivity is an awesome thing. So I came across this the other day. It's called the Orange Outlet, and basically, it looks like you just kind of use it to replace an existing wall outlet. So it's literally just like a little puck um, that looks like you in an outlet you would would you would install (laughs) and i'll I'll flash it up on the screen here while we're chatting but it's uh it's it looks really cool (laughs) it's like so it's like a very simple way to attack smart charging because it's literally just installing a new outlet and then your ev drivers either at like your apartment complex or at your workplace or whatever would just plug in their own charger so it, it's kind of pushing the hardware aspect onto the driver, um, but I feel like most EV drivers are kind of used to using their their mobile connectors or their portable chargers in certain yeah. situations. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I you know I thought it was pretty cool too. Like as as I'm looking through this, I definitely could see where it would save insulation costs and um, it definitely help install more of these outlets or charging stations. Um, because I mean, as you know, like public chargers and like especially uh, home chargers too they can be bulky and they do take up space and depending on like what you need to install it could be really expensive so i think that this is a pretty cool idea my my only concern though and now this is just this might just be me um but a lot of like a lot of new vehicles aren't coming with mobile connectors anymore like the kia ev6 doesn't come with one i know obviously elon and all that controversy with like the the tesla mobile connector now coming as like an option um i definitely think like if you have like an older vehicle or if you purchase one this would be great um especially because they offer two different flavors one that is a slower charge and then there's one that offers 15 miles per hour of charge right um, which would be great. I mean, essentially, that's almost level two charging. Um, yeah, that would be great for uh, for apartment complexes. I'm just I'm just curious to know um, how this will work in the future if they're not going to be providing mobile connectors for some cars. Mm, yeah, but I mean, obviously, that's like a that's a rare occurrence. That's like only a few cars that are not having those, you know, included. <laughs> yeah, that kind of that kind of begs the question. Do you think like um... Do you think that's the future of charging is like you're not going to need a mobile connector? I see. I, that's the thing. Because ideally, I, ideally, there's level two chargers everywhere. You don't need to bring your mobile connector everywhere. You go to your yeah. parents' house or your friends and they have an EV charger. So you just use theirs while you're there. You don't need to worry about plugging in with the mobile connector. So, 
see, there's the thing. I I personally <laughs> am a fan of the mobile connector because I think level one charging is overlooked so quickly by like oh, yeah. drivers. I agree. Yeah, I and I mean, like you, you don't you utilize one every day, like in your right. garage. So, like, right. if you don't have access to, like, you know, like how we do to like a level two home charger, and if your car is sitting there for long periods, you can get enough charge to do your daily, you know, chore run yeah. or errand run. It, it's, I, I think it's necessary, but like that's that kind of is like the chicken and the egg scenario. It's like, well, if you have the outlet, you need the cable. So. Yeah. I understand that these companies are, are like, you know, manufacturers are trying to save money on not producing those mobile connectors if people, mm-hmm. the data shows that they're not going to use them. Um, yeah. But people will use them. Like, I think it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's it's hard to tell kind of what is is leading that, uh, that effort to remove the mobile connectors. Yeah. Because... Um, uh, every most people buying evs right now it's their first ev so like yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like an iphone where you can remove the charging like brick and be like oh well everybody has a million of these so it's not a huge deal it's like yeah. most people buying these cars have no idea how to charge like no idea what equipment they need not that there's anything wrong with that like it's a new industry there's no reason you should know that stuff unless you're yeah. like nerds like us so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um um I think I think providing that kind of like yes you can just plug it into a regular wall outlet if you need to up front gives you kind of that um that fallback plan or kind of that that safety net for charging. Um and I also I heard a good analogy the other day of like the level 1 or like mobile connector is kind of like your gas tank that you bring with you. Yeah. So like if you yeah. are like stuck somewhere and you can't get anywhere else like plugging into a a wall outlet for a little bit is kind of your safety net if you do like run out of charge for some reason yeah so no i mean i mean it's true if you think of it those connectors can add three to five miles per hour of charge yeah it's yeah. slow but like that that's the difference of literally having to get a tow truck or getting yeah. to you know like a fast charger to you know yeah. to get home yeah yep. no i i, I th- this is where i'm like i really like what orange is doing because i think it simplifies the the process for people who live in apartment complexes who mm-hmm. may not have access to like a garage charger if their car comes with it that that would be the perfect solution and the pricing is like almost like very similar to like what you'd find for like a non-network uh level two charger like it's around like 300 to i think 350 if i remember maybe yeah they're both on sale right now for 300 each so oh okay okay that's Which not is bad so, at all, honestly. No, <laughs> no, it's not at all. The, now, the my only other gripe with this is that you have to download a mobile app. Like, mm. I I get it, you know, like, obviously we want to monitor electric, electric use and, like, you know, maybe have a fee connected to it. But right. I just really think that this kind of adds the complexity of EV ownership is that it's now another mobile app that you have to yep. download. Um now, if this is yep. your main charging, that's good. <laughs> Maybe that's only the you know mobile app you right. need, but just right. kind of adds to that complexity. Yeah the uh, yeah the whole mobile app thing is is very interesting because I would love to see, and I I've brought this up with some other networks as well, um, but I would love to see just like a QR code that brings you to a landing page where you can just pay however you want. Um, yes, which is yeah. what uh, I don't know if you've heard of EV Passport. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, have you heard of them? That's that's what they do essentially. They've got a QR code on their on their stations. You scan it, it brings you to a web page, and then you just pay directly from there. It's like checking out online, <laughs> like which everybody should be familiar with. You can use Apple Pay, Google Pay, like however you want to pay, and just do it from their web page. It's all secure. Then you're not like worrying about getting your card out. You don't have to download an app. Like it seems very simple. So that whole uh the whole payment thing i think really needs fixed in a lot of ways on the, yes. throughout the ev industry yeah no i agree i, I know nlx does that too mm-hmm. with qr codes um there's actually oh, okay. a, there's a network called ready charge i'm not sure if you've heard of them i haven't um, heard of them now they're they're using nlx software for their back end as well as like some of their level two hardware that they, they have level like fast chargers um, mm-hmm. But their uh, their juice box chargers have a QR code. You scan it, it takes you to a payment page, and that's how you pay for it. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. I think I think that would simplify it too. But I'm still like I'm a dreamer. So like I like to think that there would be ni- <laughs> it would be nice if there was like an Omni card where like you could like just scan you know tap everything. Yeah. And then it would just start right away. But um, yeah, because some people do like carrying around a physical card to like activate stuff. Um, they don't mm-hmm. want to use an app. So yeah, I don't know. I'm old school in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> do you like carrying a card? Like, do yes. you like that method? Yeah, I prefer the RFID cards so much more. Like, if I'm using, like, a charge point station, I could just tap that. Evigo, tap. Like, it just, it sucks because my wallet's, like, super thick from all the cards. It's, like, all the mobile app. <laughs> but it just makes it easier. Like, if you don't have yeah. service, you can just tap the charger and it works. Like, That's yeah. true. I don't know. That's... But then it's just extra bulk you got to carry around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, ideally, the mobile app works well enough that you it's quicker than using a card. But that's not the case right now. I think yeah. is like pulling out your phone, finding the app. If you haven't used it in a while, it's like digging through your apps to figure out where it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> opening yeah. it up, it's like, oh, you've been logged out. You got to log back in. Then you log back in, and then it's like, all right, this has been five minutes, and I haven't started the charge yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if you have the RFID card in your wallet, that's a physical thing you can find pretty quick, and then tap it and you're good to go so oh sorry i i was just gonna say or better yet plug and charge <laughs> that's that's the true future um that's i think that's the the end game from everything it's just kind of figuring out the c- secure method to uh to authenticate everybody so that's the that's the tough part yeah, I um, I don't want to like, it, I don't want it to seem like I was tearing apart this idea with like the orange outlets because I really think that this could be a game changer for you know, like I mentioned, like people who do live in apartment complexes that rely yeah. on level one charging or if they don't have level two accessible near them or in their you know parking lot. Right. Um, this would be a great way for like landlords to monitor electricity use, install these really quickly. They're they're not expensive. Um, no. and they could be installed in any outlet. So like, I, I think, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. The, the whole multi-unit property space is completely like hurting for some EV charging infrastructure. Like, I don't know of any major like, um, property companies or anything like that. That's really made a big investment in EV charging. Um, and I don't think they really realize like how much of an advantage that is <laughs> with all these, all these younger people or just people that don't want to buy a house that are buying EVs, like they need a place to charge. And like, you've got all these properties with pools, with gyms, with all this other stuff. It's like, I feel like EV charging is really kind of the next thing to make it a, make it like a, a luxury property, if you will, <laughs> where, yeah. where yeah. people, people want to live. So it's, yeah. uh, 
it's something I know, like I was really worried about getting my car. And then after we went working from home, I was like, we're going to have to find a, an apartment complex with charging. Like there's no other way to do it. So, um, and then we found this one doesn't have charging. It was a real little iffy for a while before we had the garage. And like, it's, it's a mess, honestly, like <laughs> it's, it's deter. I know it's deterring a lot of people from getting an EV is cause they can't charge it at their apartment. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, have you, have you brought this idea up to like the people, like the business man or business manager? Why am I talking like that? Uh, building like landlord, like <laughs> the, the property building managers. Manager. Yes. Property managers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I brought it up to the old one, but our, our, our complex just went through an ownership change and we're probably leaving at the end of this year anyway. So it's not oh, really, okay. I don't want to fight for it. So I don't know. It's uh, not something I'm too worried about right now. Plus, I've, I'm just using my garage charging, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just going to stick with that. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I definitely think that this is something I want to bring up to people, like especially as they're building new uh, apartment buildings here in Cleveland. I think right. that this would be smart because there is there is one um, apartment um, like manufacturer, like uh, contractor here. I think it's called Smartland. I think I've talked about it before on a podcast, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. they're 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 installing charge point chargers at most of their locations. Nice. Um, okay. And it would be really e- probably easier and save them a lot of money just to do this route. Um, yeah. Yeah. My only thing is that I would always recommend the more powerful one just because it charges your car faster. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the same price. Definitely. So like, I don't know mm-hmm. why you wouldn't go for that more powerful one. Yeah. The uh, the other thing is like is getting out your mobile connector a pain every time. <laughs> that would be the uh, yeah. other. That would be the <laughs> other part because I wouldn't want to leave it plugged in all the time, especially if like somebody if it's open parking and somebody came and and plugged in. Um, but if you had like separate garages or assigned parking or something like that, where you don't have like you kind of have more controlled access to parking, I think this could be a good option. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's kind yeah. of case by case, obviously, like depends on the, the complex and what it's like. Yeah. No, I mean, you brought up a good point, too, because if with with level two charging, obviously, sometimes the the charger or the connector will uh, lock to the vehicle. Yeah. With this, anybody could just come by and unplug it. Like, I'm not sure yeah. if there's like a locking mechanism, but like, I, well, I don't have a plug on me right now, but like, I don't <laughs> know if there's a way to like, you know, lock, lock the, the plug into I don't you know, think the there is. I've never yeah. seen anything like that. So yeah, but I think I think it's a cool idea. I just want to say, if anybody from Orange listens to this episode, let us know because we'd love to have you on the podcast and talk about the development of this. And yeah, we should have about... reached out to him before we talked about it. But <laughs> yeah, hey, you know what? It's uh, a good start. <laughs> yeah, definitely. yeah, it's a good start. Yeah, I think it's cool. And one thing I do want to highlight, I noticed this last night. I like that it's called Orange, but their logo is like range at the same time. Where is it? Sorry. So like the the O looks like an orange, but then obviously range is more noticeable oh, than that. Oh, gotcha. I thought that was gotcha. really clever. <laughs> yeah, thought that was really clever. Yeah. <laughs> so this kind of gets me into, because we've got a lot of time left. Um, another kind of discussion we could get into is what is the future of like this kind of charging infrastructure for people that can't charge at home? Um, do you think it's a bunch of level twos at like an apartment like this, or are people going to have like their local 
dc fast charger they stop at while they're running errands or something (laughs) you know that that's a really good question i so for me i like to think that the dc fast chargers should either be for like if in like an emergency in that aspect or for long distance traveling i don't think it Mm -hmm. should be a gas station replacement i think that it should be for long driving uh long distance driving well obviously if you have no other options that works and level two charging, obviously, as you know, and as I know from experience, it can be expensive to install. So like, and typically you're only installing maybe one, two at max, maybe four, depending on like the state in the area. Yeah. So I, you know, like, I don't know, like, I really think that like, <laughs> it would be, that's a good question. I, I think if that, if with, you know, to answer your question, I think level two would make more sense for people who are living in an apartment building where they yeah. can charge overnight. Um, and then save the fast chargers for people who are driving, um, you know, long distances. But I don't know. I mean, either way, you're spending a lot of money. Like, I could see where, like, a landlord or, like, a property manager would question that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. What do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm so torn. I think it's going to be a combination of both, honestly. Um, because some places, you're, like, landlords literally aren't going to be able to just install chargers. Either it's going to be a budget thing or it's a space constraint or X, Y, Z. You give all the all the uh, excuses there of, like, why it might just not work. Um, preferably, there is level two charging, like, everywhere you're parking your car. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of the goal. And then if you don't have charging at home, if there's level two charging everywhere that you're parking, like, unless you're sitting at home all day. Um, you should have some opportunity to go charge your car uh, f- for things you're doing. So I think employee uh, parking lots need to get on board with that, install charging um, for their employees. I think that would be great. That's that's what prompted me to initially buy my car was, <laughs> was the employee parking because I could take advantage of that because I didn't have home charging. So there's that option. Um, there's the just parking at uh, anywhere you spend the entire day. So destinations, hotels, all that stuff. Um, but then I think uh, there's also going to be like the fast chargers at either grocery stores or like kind of centers where you go run your errands. So I, I've i seen it go both ways with like the gas station approach for, for fast chargers. Um, I think those are great for like stop and go where you are literally plug it in for 15 minutes and then you're on the road. Um, but even like some of the lower power DC stuff, like a 50 or hundred KW charger could work at a grocery store parking lot where you plug in, get your weekly groceries, you hop back at the car, you drive home, you're good for the week on, on charging. So it's, it's, it's so hard to say, but I think the, the goal is to have level two charging, like everywhere people are parking their cars overnight <laughs> i think that's the that's the easiest and probably the cheapest overall way to do it too because dc charges stuff faster and but it also has a like much higher upfront install and hardware costs so because for the price of one dcfc you could probably buy 10 or more <laughs> level <Yeah>. twos <laughs> so yeah yeah that's the that's the thing yeah no i mean you you brought up an interesting point and i actually thought about this um before like those like 25 kilowatt fast chargers are like um for example like the the free wire chargers where they mm-hmm. can utilize the infrastructure of a level two and then they can offer you know over 100 kilowatt you know rates of charging um 
like I just like I I think that that would be really interesting if like the technology and the cost of those products were to come down enough to where you could install those DC fast chargers like or like level you know green threes essentially the twenty five kilowatt yeah. ones at like targets you know like if you're going to yeah. be in target for an hour you can get enough charge to you know possibly have like a week's worth of charger a few days worth and right. then so forth like I just think that that would make a lot of sense if there could be a cost decrease for fast charging um definitely and then and then yeah. like anything over like 200 kilowatts you know green sixes or you know red sixes could be for like the fast charging you know in terms of traveling and stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah yeah it's weird to say lower power fast charging but you know what I'm, <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> all the industry terms yeah. for fast charging crack me up because we've got like we've got like dcfc which was like the original that was everything dc fast charging now it's like high power dc fast charging and now it's like super extra high high power dc <laughs> fast super charging. extra like, high. where is the <laughs> where is the limit here and like none of these terms make sense to any drivers i feel like so <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like well is I'm, mine can mine charge on ultra fast chargers <laughs> like, well right. what is that yeah um, I'm, I'm gonna quit the industry if it ever gets to super duper fast charging <laughs> like no i'm done my hands will be up i'm out <laughs> no it's That's confusing funny. i mean it really yeah. is confusing and this is where we have to have matt from chargeway back on you right. know to talk talk about like terminology and stuff like that because like i i, I actually thought it would be a great idea to have those like non-network 25 kilowatt fast chargers that you see at like Chevy dealerships or like at Ford dealerships where at like a target, you know, mm-hmm. like, I just think that would make so much sense there. Um, but obviously if the cost doesn't make sense to install that over a level two, then right. Yeah, I mean, money talks. Yeah. So I think the other hard thing is too. And I think a lot of people don't realize, um, is like how that charger gets in the ground like who is paying for that install who's paying for that upkeep all that stuff because like some networks are literally they're just looking for people to lease land from i'm pretty sure that's that's how tesla does it i'm pretty sure that's how electrify america does it they're like they reach out to a target and say hey can we lease 10 of your parking spots to install this electrical infrastructure and uh, drop charging in and they're like all right sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then like target or or um or like any of these other stores are getting paid for that parking lot usage um mm-hmm. but then they don't get any revenue from the charging so it's like kind of a give and take there <clears throat> so they ideally could make more money if they installed their own network um but then they're kind of handling the upkeep and managing that network and working with somebody to install that and that can be become a headache for the property owner so yeah a lot yeah. of different ways to do it <laughs> and i don't yeah. think anybody's quite figured out like the optimal way so no no i mean and there's so many layers to it as well like you mentioned like having like their own network like say for example like the target network Obviously, mm-hmm. like, is it an actual network or is it just at Target stores? You know, right. so like that that's where like that confusion comes in, especially, you know, I work in the data every single day from yeah, multiple so different like, networks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And what's considered a network, it's like, n- no, you're just a back end software. Like, you know, right. you may have your label on a station, but like, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I'm not talking like the big players like EVgo, Shell, you know, Recharge or like Electrify America. I'm talking about like, you know, software developers who created, you know, software to manage the charging sessions, which is great. Mm -hmm. I'm happy those are being installed. But like, at some point, I think there needs to be some type of like, identification and like regulation for what a network should be considered. Um, 
because it it just gets confusing for the driver. I think I brought this up before, but the uh, <clears throat> I went. Did I bring this up on a previous episode? I went to a station and it had like four labels on it. Yes. Yeah. No, okay. That was last week's episode. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I brought that up. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of the. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, who do you call if you have a problem? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and most of the time, the the people who you do try to reach out to can't really do anything. Like it just depends on how it was installed and right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This this is where I honestly and I really would love to have them on our podcast. Um, there's a organization based out of Kentucky and Indiana called Evolve uh, KY or Evolve Kentucky. Mm, yeah. And I've heard they, of that. they've partnered with um, uh, Adopt a Charger and um, they're installing a ton of uh green to clipper creek chargers at different okay. locations so like they work to raise the money and then they they that money then covers all the installs for or the install fees for those chargers and nice. um i think they have almost 100 chargers installed at the moment they have almost 50 wow. locations yeah yeah and they're all non-networked bu- correct all clipper creeks um yeah which is really cool um, so that like is. charging is free for the driver and then uh, they work with the businesses who then covered the electricity fee, but then the people who charge there can go into like the cafes, you know, like all the small mm. businesses and it's just, a, it's a cool idea. It'd be that cool is. to get them on the show. Yeah. That'd be a cool one for sure. Yeah. yeah. But then like, if there's an issue, they can reach out to Evolve Kentucky who then will then troubleshoot, you know, the charger or whatever needs to be done. So, right. Right. Where do you think the future of like non-networked charging is? Like generally my response is like home use is probably the only place you don't want uh you don't want networked <laughs> or don't need networked, I guess. I'm curious of your thoughts on it though. So, I mean so there there's an extra layer there though, you know, because like <laughs> if you have like for example like our Siemens charger, it, there's no Wi-Fi connection, it's just plug in plug and charge you know i'm gonna say that as you know literal as i can be there yeah. um but there's no way to monitor the electricity that's being fed into the car that's plugged into it unless we look at our electricity bill or the tesla app for example i see the benefit of having wi-fi connected chargers like from ChargePoint, juice box you know and all those other ones but I think that there needs to be a clarification of what we're calling network, a network charger. Like, Mm -hmm. is it just because it's connected to the internet or, you know, to like a Wi-Fi connection or network, or is it an actual branded network like Shell Recharge? So I I just think that there needs to be a lot of clarification there because like you brought up at the beginning of the episode, smart versus dumb. Like, (laughs) like, I feel like that that's more um, in line with what we see with home charging. Like, is it a smart device or is it a non smart device (laughs) right yeah so do you think in like a a public application do you think it's worth installing a dumb charger like like evolve is doing i think their setup's great because they do have people managing them adopting them checking in on them but if you don't have that do you think it's like worth it to install a dumb charger you think i think it depends on the uh implementation like if it's like at a hotel for sure like i i think having a non-smart charger at a a hotel would be great um but it depends. Obviously, if the business is trying to make money off of it or whatever, then maybe, you know, get a connected charger. But in the sense of support, I see it all the time at hotels. A charger is broken. They go into the front desk. The front desk has no idea how to fix it. Yeah. And if it's like a Tesla destination charger, they, they have to call Tesla and half the time they can't fix it right away. Right. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's I, I think that. It all depends on reliability and implementation 
for how yeah. non-network chargers should be installed. Um, yeah. 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 But I mean, as I a think... driver, I like non-network because most of the time they're free. <laughs> so <laughs> They're free and they're easy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think my perspective is like, I definitely lean way more heavily to the smart charging aspects and, and there's a few reasons. Um, first off is the, the reason you just brought up is the like reliability and like support. Um, mm-hmm. if it's not networked, then you've essentially got to tear the whole charger apart and run diagnostics on it to figure out what's going on with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it, if it's networked, then you can literally like see the error codes remotely of what's going on with that station, troubleshoot it. As long as there's power to the unit and there's no issues with network connectivity, like it's still got a cellular connection then you could look into that station and see exactly what's going on. You could flash new software onto it. You could like remotely fix it, which, which you cannot do with a, with a dumb charger. Granted with a dumb charger, there's probably less to go wrong. So you might not, you might not have all those (laughs) issues. Um, but for, for an application where you are going to have like random people from the public charging and plugging in, I think having the smart charging is definitely the way to go. And I think the free charging and like the, the dumb charging is great now, but I, I always have like a very futuristic view. It's like, what is this going to look like in 10 years? Like if we don't have a smart charger there, is this going to get abused? Are people just going to like show up here randomly because they know it's a free charger and they can plug in for free. (laughs) Like you see that all the time with like anything free. I mean, people do, do take advantage of it. Um, so I think controlling access or like at least having some sort of payment for free charging, I think is going to be the future, whether it's like, it could be very low too. It's just like a $1 activation fee and then this whole session's free or something like that. But just having that like initial upfront, like, all right, it's not completely free. It's not even really worth my time to plug in then. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel, but no, I mean, I think it's a safe approach, like a safe approach to it because, you know, we're seeing, at least from the research I've done with Chargeway, I've seen a lot of non-network stations that have like a donation box next to it to where you can mm. donate money either to the business or maybe they have like a charity lined up. Um, or, um, you know, we are starting to see where, for example, like the AEP fast chargers, like those charge point uh, fast chargers that they've installed that were free because it was a grant. It was temporary mm-hmm. because now they're starting to add a fee to it. Um, yep. I think it would be safe like if it was like a free connected charger like ChargePoint, for example, like maybe having yeah. on the screen saying temporarily free. That mm-hmm. way people don't get used to the idea of saying or thinking, you know what, this is free fuel. I'm just going to show up here and take advantage yep. of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, because I agree with you. I mean, at some point we're going to have this like tipping point where obviously people are spending money on gas for fuel electricity is also a fuel type we're gonna see it yeah we're gonna see it you know increase as well in certain situations yep and the nice thing like you just you just kind of made the point for me too is the if you have a connected charger you can always start it out free too like there's nothing there's nothing stopping you from just keeping it free for now and then you still got that like kind of management visibility but then if you want to turn on pricing it's it's literally a flip of a switch to do that so it's uh having that flexibility i think helps a lot too oh yeah yeah definitely yeah i think i think we should definitely get uh evolve kentucky on the show to talk about their installation process and like how they yeah, do their support cool. yeah because i i talked with them uh, a few years ago about a plan that i had for ohio and uh it, it obviously i got busy but like it was very similar <laughs> to like how they're approaching things but here in ohio <laughs> yeah that'd be a, that'd be a so. cool thing to start yeah um 
I was going to ask, um, do you think now that you've had a ton of EVs and uh, you've had home charging for a while, do you think you'll ever switch to like a connected home charger? It, we've we've talked about it um, just because it would be nice to monitor how like the um, like how much electricity we're putting into the vehicle. That's the nice thing with the Tesla app is that we can see that now. Yeah. But other other vehicles don't show that. So like yeah. We've talked about doing that. I, I really <laughs> would like to get the juice box. Like, I really like NLX because they have, like, um, some features where they actually donate money to, like, sustainable causes as you charge your vehicle oh, at home. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they give you, like, a point system and they kind of, like, gamify it in a way. Um, but, yeah, I think eventually we'll upgrade to that. But right now, that charger has been, well, knock on wood, but it's been bulletproof. It's been working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. That, yeah. Is the, that is the nice thing about the the quote-unquote dumb chargers is the um just how like dead simple they are like there's less to go wrong so yeah Yeah. (laughs) like you see those clipper creepy clipper creek units from 10 years ago that are still running just fine because there's like they're so simple and they're built to last like Mm -hmm. the problem with putting computers in anything is like it wears down quicker usually has like a 10-year shelf life before you've got to got to replace it or fix something so yeah 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 now, I want to ask you the same question. So when you guys buy your house, are you going to jump right into a smart charger? I probably will. Yeah, just because I like seeing all the data for that stuff. Yeah. And the thing I'm most curious about, I think, is like the like how much energy is coming out of the wall versus how much actually goes into the battery and then like how much actually gets used for going places. Like how that oh, kind of yeah. like whole chain of efficiency, I think, would be cool to see. Um, and the problem with the Tesla app is it doesn't break it out like per type of charging, unfortunately, at least I haven't found a way to do it where you can like just look at home charging and just look at supercharging. Like it just kind of conglomerates it all. So I think seeing that, uh, seeing that broken out a little bit more would be nice. You know, I did find, it's funny you mentioned this. I actually found out by playing with the app, if you put your finger on the graph, you can highlight those specific charging sessions. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I found that out by accident. I'm like, oh, that's a really cool feature. I've done that where you highlight on the day. Oh, yes. You that, that's what I'm talking about. But if you about. charge multiple places, like if I supercharge and home charge in the same day, I can't see like how much of that was home charging, how much was supercharging. Tesla app where you can highlight a single day, but it doesn't split it out into like multiple um types of charging so if i like supercharge and home charge in the same day i can't see like how much of that was supercharging how much was home charging you can't really split it out that way and see like oh i spent a lot more this month because i did a lot of supercharging <laughs> like you can't really split that up um that would be an easy for thing for them to add though so oh for sure yeah i think that would be a nice benefit um just to circle back and i really hope my audio is good here <laughs> um yeah good um I, I will say one benefit of the orange app, you know, like these orange outlets, if you were to install one and utilize the app is that you can check your charging history. So like if you don't have an app that shows you like how much electricity is being fed to your vehicle or like the, the costs of that, you can do that directly through their app. So I, I know that it seemed like I complained about those like backend <laughs> software management tools. It is useful for a lot of that. I just think it depends on how it's implemented. Definitely. Um, yep. Just because I'm always thinking about the end driver, like, you know, simplification is a good thing. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. But thanks for telling us about this. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember where I came across it. I don't know if I saw an ad for it or what, but uh, oh. <laughs> um, 
I'm not sure. Oh, you know what? I think my mom might have sent it to me, actually. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Shout out to mom. She's listening. <laughs> yes. Yes. Shout out to Alex's mom. <laughs> so. And I cool. think that's about it for this episode. You got anything else? I, I, will, I just want to wrap up by thanking Business Insider for uh, recognizing Alex and I Definitely. in the 35 under 35 and everybody who's voted for us too, you know, nominated us, um, you know, without, without your support and maybe I'm speaking for Alex too, but I think he agrees. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely <laughs> we, agree. we can't be here without you guys. So, you know, all the, all the motivation and push to get us here is really, really appreciated. So thank you guys. Yes. Yeah. We certainly appreciate it. We, uh, we just hit over 10,000 total plays recently too, across all platforms, which is crazy to think about. So (laughs) yeah, we've got an audience of like over a hundred people now, I think too. So just definitely appreciate everybody tuning in every week. And, um, we definitely want to hear from you too. We, those are some of our favorite, uh, topics is that ones that we get from listeners. So, um, if you've got anything you want to hear on a podcast, just definitely reach out. Yep. Leave a comment, anything. Email us. (laughs) We're here for that. (laughs) Yep. Cool. See you all in the next episode.